Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily Newton, and joining us on the show is Mark from New York out of the Salvo Performance Training. Hey, Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Emily? I'm good. Thank you for asking. So we're definitely excited to have you on the show today. But before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you guys have going on, tell us a little bit about how you describe your business to people and what made you want to start this gym in the first place. Well, the quick elevator pitch that when people ask about the gym, I tell them it's a a personal training studio, personal training gym in New York City in Manhattan. Um, But obviously a lot more goes on there as as anyone who owns a gym knows. Uh, but what made me want to start it was, um, I was personal training. I started personal training back in 2011 or so, and I was working in a, in a higher end gym and, um, I really, really liked it. I really liked working with people one-to-one. Um, I liked the, the, I liked the intimacy, the interaction. I liked seeing long-term progress, helping people over the long-term get to something. And, uh, but as I was doing it, you know, as the months went on, like financially, it was becoming harder and harder. And in my head, it always sat with me weird because, you know, I knew what we, the gym charged the clients coming in. And then I saw what was on my paycheck. So I said, you know, I could probably eliminate that middleman. Obviously that would come with, you know, marketing, running the business, like being able to generate your own client leads, finding a place, which is probably the hardest thing in New York City, um, especially at that time. So I was sort of hell-bent from there to figure out how I was going to do this on my own because I, I did the math. I figured, you know, I could keep doing this and I could do this for a very long time if I could cut out all the people, you know, all of the uh, the gym taking so much of my paycheck, in other words. Mm-hmm. so okay. that's probably the short of it yeah yeah so tell us a little bit about like your personal journey into the fitness industry well I mean I you could start in many different places I'm sure many people would say about their own um, but grow I grew up in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania and it's a city that is very proud of its sports traditions and um, you know it's a very athletically inclined town like people you know when you're younger you know, they're, they're trying to push you in sports almost right away. And, uh, and, and I like that. And I was, uh, I played hockey and when I was a teenager, um, I, I think I was like 12 or 13. I was very lucky. And in my, uh, in my neighborhood, they had just built a brand new gym at the time that was very state of the arts. So this is before 2000. So in the late nineties and, uh, my mom took me in there, I remember, and I was just mesmerized, like just looking all around, like they had, you know, tennis courts, pools, these kinds of things. And, but I didn't care about that. When we got to the weight room and they had all the Nautilus machines and all these things I hadn't seen all big and shiny before. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was so cool. And, um, and she kind of picked up on that. And, um, well, I guess like within a few weeks, she set me up with, a personal trainer there to, you know, come by once a week and he would show me how to use things. And like I said, I was only 12 at the time or so. And I was just, I was hooked. And uh, that's kind of like started the obsession with fitness and it never went away. Like I had many other interests and things. I went to college for journalism 
uh, and still kept coming back always to fitness. I never, you know, I would always be working out. Um, and I tried a quick career when I came out of um, college and in, in the music industry and audio engineering. But when I realized you had to sit too much for that, like, cause I move around too much. I said, all right, I'm going to really make a go at this, this training thing and see what I can do and get involved yeah. in fitness. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of different careers and, you know, interests before you decided to go all in and start a gym. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, definitely. It was a, it was a, I mean, but the, like I was saying, the fitness and the gyms was always a constant in my life throughout all the other interests, you know, that was always there. And I think, um, you know, I was hesitant on some level because um to me and i and i know some people might be facing this themselves um to make something that was sort of your your happy place your safe place like also your career because then you're like never getting away from it so that was a a, that was a a choice i made and one i'm glad i made but i know it's not for everyone yeah yeah Yeah. so i know we were talking a little bit off air earlier Mm -hmm. um tell us about some of the things that you weren't expecting when it came to business ownership um that I was expecting or wasn't you said wasn't wasn't um I did not anticipate I think the one constant and maybe people in New York City or dense cities can relate to this was uh real estate being kind of like the ultimate sort of thorn in your side sort of from the beginning because when I first started it's it's always evolved like it never goes away like when I first started and went out on my own, you know, now it's very common, I think in a lot of cities and uh, here, especially for people to have gyms and they rent space out to independent contractor trainers. But this was really uncommon in, you know, 2012, 13 ish in New York city, there were only so many and they only let so many people in to do that, or they would let everyone in and everyone was just, you know, butting heads and slamming shoulders when they're trying to work out. And, um, you know, so f- always finding space um, in that sense when I first started was hard. And then when it came to like actually having the business and the chops to sign like a real lease, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I real estate was the one thing that was, it was just so hard. It's like, if you, you landlords would turn you away immediately if they heard any inkling of gym, because some are open and some are not. Um, they, you know, they would hear wait, or they would hear this and just no, just fuck. like I've had, I've been hung up on, um, and real estate agents tell me like they, yeah, that they were hung up on too. Just like really rude, crazy stuff. Um, and so you have to be really persistent and not take it personally. And I, I will say that when I was looking for my first lease, it was really hard not to take it personally when yeah. you know, you'd get so far in a process and they would decide they wouldn't want to do something. And usually it'd be like, instead of it being like you're on Tinder and you get ghosted, it'd be like, they would just be like, like, Oh, I'm going to jack up the price double just to tell you to your face. So you walk away, you know? So it's like, it's yeah, it, it was so crazy. So being, um, finding the right allies in real estate and, and being patient there was, was definitely one of the hardest lessons. And, you know, I think you can extrapolate from there. Like I was smart enough not to sign a lease that had it was was too high monthly when I knew I couldn't pay that and mm-hmm. you know so being really patient to not just take the first thing that come my way when it was so hard to find things you know for months and months and months and then you finally get a lead and it's like ah it's not the best space not the best landlord it's too expensive so these kinds of things but real estate was absolutely and probably continues to be 
the number one thing for me. Yeah. Well, you said still continues to be the number one thing. Yeah. I mean, well, we're, you know, we're going to be, um, coming up on the end of our, our commercial lease and needing and wanting to expand a little bit and finding a new space. It's a lot easier when you have a track record now of, well, it will have been nine years, but eight years so far of, you know, a successful business, like landlords are more willing to talk to you now. Um, right. but still, um, it's still difficult. Like the, the, the contract processes and everything take forever. And I think, um, you have to be very patient. And I, I, typically think of myself as a patient person but um if you live in a city i think where real estate is um very um it's like a very protected commodity you're gonna have to just really really be patient and not feel bad i've talked to so many gym owners actually it's funny i i i've there's some gym owners newer ones uh younger than me who I have seen sort of lament on social media things that have been going wrong for them in the real estate aspect of things. And I've reached out to all of them just to offer words of encouragement to say like, that's par for the course. Like, I know it sucks that you're going through this, but um, very few successful gym owners I know have, have had like a flawless sort of real estate experience. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, I, I, I kind of kept that closer to my chest when I was going through it. I'm sure yeah. someone else would have offered that to me, but that was something I wished that that community, the community, um, the gym owner community was a little more open about because most, most resources I found, most of them were not, they would brush over real estate, just tell you, don't, um, don't pay too much, but there's so much more to it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for providing some insight on that to our listeners. No, no problem. So let's talk a little bit about marketing. Um, let's say that I were to move to, you say you're in Manhattan, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I'm looking for like one-on-one -on -one personal training, um, mm -hmm. in like more in a more intimate setting. Mm -hmm. How would I know that the silo performance training is exists? Yeah, that it exists. Um, well, we, um, I mean, we have a pretty good presence on Google Maps that typically has, um, you know, when you when you type in in the neighborhood specifically, because that's one thing about Manhattan. It's a it's a small little island, but it exists in a very tribal sort of neighborhoody way. Mm -hmm. So people will typically search, you know, we're in the Chelsea neighborhood, Chelsea personal training. Um, usually will will pop up. We've been very fortunate to have a lot of good Google reviews over the years. Um, and uh, so that would be the 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 simple one, but um, when you do find yourself on the website, you know we've I've you know working with my designer, we typically tried to go out of our way to really emphasize, especially post COVID, that um, you are getting a studio uh, to yourself when you train there. Um, you know, there's not other people there; it's just you and me, basically. Or if I have like an assistant there who's, you know, working on something, they'll be at the desk, but you know, it's just, it's very private. And I would say, I mean, this is a rough figure, at least a third of the clients there are there because they prefer a personal setting and they don't mind um, maybe paying the premium to have their own space and not be working at one of the, working out at one of the larger luxury gyms in the area, just because there's not a hundred people around them. Yeah. Um, so we try to show that in the pictures on the website, um, uh, specifically with marketing. I mean, most of our best marketing comes from word of mouth. So 
it's people who have had really good experiences at the gym, you know, who sort of value good one-on-one attention, long-term progression and, and, and privacy. Um, and that typically gets around, you know? Yeah. Okay. So Google Maps, which is interesting. Um, I don't hear like a lot of, uh, business owners with, with that answer. So mm-hmm. is, is there anything you did specifically to help with that or just establish yeah. like well, it, it kind of happened by accident because our the first location, the first four years I had starting in 2015 until 2019, June of 2019 was in the financial district in Manhattan. And that's all the way at the bottom of Manhattan if you're looking at a map and you're not from there. And um, for a lot of people who don't go there very often, it's kind of it's out of the way unless you live there or you're from Brooklyn or it's easy to get there for you. It's it's a kind of a very neighborhoody neighborhood you know, or unless you work on the stock market too. Mm -hmm. So um, I had this flood of people kind of come in um, maybe about in year two, like after the new years. And I asked all of them how they found me because they had no relation to anyone I knew. And they all said, they just typed in my uh, like personal training on Google maps, like around me. And, And at the time I was very lucky because I think I was one of three um, solo personal traders in the financial district. So not many, um, by comparison in Chelsea, I'm probably, I might be one of 10, you know? Um, but, uh, down there it was, they didn't have many to choose from. And I said, Oh, okay, that's interesting. People really use Google maps a lot. So I started working with SEO and, um, like very, in, in a very amateur sense, you know, I, I, I didn't hire anyone specifically. There's a few services out there you can use to make sure all your information's up to date. And that seems to really count for a lot um, for, in my experience, because it is actually harder than you think to like, because there's so many different websites that pull from Google that right. service directories. So I used one of those websites to make sure all, all the information was always current. And that seemed to help. And, you know, um, I, I try to kind of, if you go on my website, I do write and I do try to keep it updated because one thing I found is that if you do that, your, um, your gym is more likely, or your website is more likely to, to probably come up in those relevant search terms. Cause it's, it's seen as updated. So I'm able to kind of sort of continue to sort of cash in on people searching for that on, on Google maps. So most of my marketing strategy around Google revolves around, um, uh, keeping, making sure I pop up on Google maps. That's, that's usually where I, I go to. Okay. So yeah. I know that earlier you said that your lease is coming to an end pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking about like expanding into a bigger space. Are you thinking like maybe doubling like the size that you're in now? What does that look like? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're kind of catching me in the the process of kind of having those talks. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely has to, it has to get a little bigger because there's definitely some more equipment I want. Um, I would, you know, one thing I'm really trying to, to, to keep is the, the private, um, vibe of the space, because there's a lot of people who really value that, that privacy and sort of, um, you know, that, that attention. So I don't have aspirations to double, like at least not technically double or triple the size because that, kind of probably will ruin sort of the intimacy of it. But you also have to be realistic about, you know, what you're paying in real estate or in rent, pardon me, and and your ability to, you know, keep profit margins healthy. 
So, um, so, you know, I'm expand, I'm, I want to have enough space where there might be another trainer able to train. Um, you know, we, I've piloted in a little bit, uh, a program where like the most experienced clients and premium clients have private access to the gym, like in off hours. So they can come in and do their own, um, their own training. And it's, you know, it's, a, it's an upsell. They have private use of the place. Right. So, you know, it, it's, I'm, you know, it's going pretty well. So in the future, I would probably like to continue that. Um, so it has to be a little bit bigger, especially if I might have one or two people kind of coming in, you know, during off hours um, and they're not getting in each other's way and this kind of thing. But, yeah. um, you know, the if you're, you're someone who's doing personal training or small group and there's like big differences between personal training, small group, you know, like larger group, big CrossFit classes, because, you know, it's the equipment you have to buy. So like right now, my gym is mostly equipped to handle one or two people at a time, you know, but, you know, in terms of like how many racks you have and these kinds of things. So, um, you know, these are all considerations. Like if you're trying to have more people in, you have to think about, you know, are they going to be butting heads for equipment, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So would you say that if you do decide to get into a bigger space to accommodate more people and, and another trainer, would you do things differently from a marketing standpoint? That's a good question. Um, you know, probably, you know, I've, I've had this experience cause I've had contractors working for me before and I was trying to fill their books and, um, I would probably be trying to find a way to generate leads a little bit faster, like independently of referral sources. Right. Um, so yes, I mean, I would, and, and I was executing on a strategy like this. It mostly involved staying very active on our website, blog, keeping the SEO updated. Um, also like understanding seasonal trends. So yeah, there would be, there would be some change there because I don't want them to have to kind of starve while they fill their books. But there is also the the realistic um, thing. Like it took me many years to get, you know, my books uh, and, and schedule full and anyone I know who's been in the business a while. Like, I, so I think there has to be a, a patience. Like, that's why, you know, I have plenty of jobs around the gym that people, I can pay people to help me with and pay them to help with. So, um, you know, while that happens, so it's kind of like mixing patience and, you know, you know, sometimes when you try to bring people in too quickly, and I've done that in the past, um, they're not good clients, unfortunately, like they're there because of the deal. And I'm very, I, I won't sell the gym or ourselves short for that. So I typically am not somebody who, who discounts services and these kinds of things, because um, I want people who are, you know, in it for the long haul, they're in it for, they, they have goals, they're, ser they're serious about what they're doing, you know, these kinds of things. They're not just there because it was a Groupon, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a really, really, really good point that you bring up because a lot of the times trainers think that in order to get more clients that they have to discount their services in order to get more people in the door. So how do you, if somebody comes in and asks you for a discount, like, how do you talk them through that? Or like, have you ever had somebody come in and ask you for a discount? You say no, but they still sign up for what you're charging. Oh yeah. Well, what you, the, the latter of what you just described is if, if it happens, it typically happens that way now, because right. it's just, it's not an option that it's the, the price is the price. So if they're really interested, um, 
you know, they sign up and that's definitely happened and they've been great clients. You know, I think, you know, I never will blame anyone for uh, asking or hunting for a deal kind of thing, but um, no, I, I don't, especially now, I mean, and we're going to kind of work in the Tarantino timeline. Like now I have no problem telling people that, but in the past, it took me a while to get there um, for sure. Um, because, you know, you have to, you have to find out and see, like, I think when you're a gym owner, for me, at least one of the most important in talking about a business concept that you don't really know until you're doing it is, is cash flow. that, you know, if you have somebody who's going to be there for a long time and not for very much money, um, you know, they're the lack of cash flow from that person, it will affect you because you're going to be working all these hours. And then you're going to see your bank account and then the bills pile up and you're like, well, there's not enough cash coming in to, you know, justify these hours. So, um, you know, that to me was the first, uh, and I'm pretty unemotional with that stuff. Like if, when I, when I noticed that happening, you know, many years ago, I was like, oh no, we can't do this anymore. The, these kinds right. of things. Um, the, um, but if people, you know, so in the past, yes, I mean, I've tried different programs, like short programs to get people in that were heavily discounted. And usually those people never stuck around. And I think that's the thing, like you have to look at the lifetime value of a customer. And um, so if you are trying to make a career in personal training, that to me is the most important metric. So let me uh, backtrack a little bit for the people that might not know what lifetime value is. Can mm -hmm. you tell our listeners what that means? I mean, in the most simple, simple terms, it's just looking at their total spend over the course of their relationship with your business. It's like how much right. have they spent? And, you know, it can be many tens of thousands of dollars, maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars if you do it right in personal training. And I would much rather have, I would much rather look for that person and find that person um, than, you know, deal with 10 people who are going to argue with you over a hundred dollars, you know, that kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's, and, and that's something you want to think about when you're, um, when you're, I, I think, you know, I can't speak as intelligently to a gym that services classes mostly and things like that, but I can tell you when you're working one-to-one -one with people, that's something you want to think about. And maybe that's where you offer your discounts. Like for example, I always tell all my clients that every successful referral that you convert, I'll give them a free session. So they become like your marketing team. So, you know, and some people really like that. So like if they'll refer a lot of people and those people all end up buying packages to train and like clumps of sessions, packages of sessions. And then that person, you know, has, you know, five free sessions the next month, but I'm happy to do that because he or she just basically, you know, was my marketing team for like a fraction of what you're going to pay on Google or Instagram ads or whatever you, you hope to be. So you have to kind of think strategically like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, a few more questions here before we come to a close. Sure. Um, first question for you would be, uh, let's say if I were a genie and I gave you, let's say I gave you three wishes. Um, just earlier, we were kind of talking about you wanting to expand into a bigger space just a little bit. Like, how would you want your gym to be running on the business side of things? Because I do think that you said earlier that you do want it to be self-sufficient mm -hmm. and kind of run on its own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I 
I try to separate the two things like me, the person from, from the business. And right now they're very intertwined, but you know, every, probably every year they're able to separate a little bit more, but I need the right staff to do that. So I would, you know, the, I would say next to real estate, the number two thing that's the hardest is probably hiring. So, you know, if it was a snap your finger situation, I'd love to have a few great candidates that, you know, just show up on your doorstep. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you know, we could get them in the fold and doing that and helping them, you know, um, you know, start or, you know, give them, you know, get them kind of to a middle point in their careers. And because I, I know how tough the city is. So I know how and I know how tough the business can be. And um, so I definitely feel I have a lot to offer there and can offer a lot more stability than you might find otherwise. So that would be the the one thing is is get the right hire. So, you know, we can work towards some of that increased separation, which doesn't imply that I want to be separated from the gym because I really enjoy what I do day to day. But yeah. as a business, it's it's good when it, things can run a little bit more on their own. Absolutely. Yeah. And my schedule's full, very full too. So it's like, you know, I, I you know, people come in and I, I want to be able to help them. And I'd rather not do like overtime to do it. I want to have other people come in, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's one or two wishes. Or would you say three wishes? <laughs> yeah. You don't have to use all of them, but yeah, that would be one is to expedite hiring or be able to um and that's something I'm working on too, learning, learning how to hire, learning how to find talent. Um, mm-hmm. but that would be great. Um I'd love to find the right space, um, you know, because again, here it can be really there's a lot of really unique buildings and spaces to rent. And, you know, some are, you know, not so sightly, some are beautiful. So, you know, so it's just kind of the luck of, of finding, of finding a good place, you know, that's owned by somebody who wants to do business, you know? Um, So those would be, those would be the main two. Um, Everything else that I kind of have on my list is just stuff that, you know, you can work towards. And I look at it like, you know, this, it's, it's not really a, a, like I see a very clear path to it so it's just gotcha. kind of working my way there yeah. gotcha. okay yeah. so I know that you said you don't necessarily want this huge massive gigantic gym but mm-hmm. like when it's all said and done what do you want your impact to be in your community I would say you know I would almost split the community twofold like one would be the clients and athletes I work with is that um, like I said to you in the pre-show I always just you know, I've always looked at personal training and training in general as something you can, you can always get better at, and you can, and you should always be getting better at. And I just really double down on the craft of that. So I kind of want to continue to make, you know, the most impact in their lives, whether it's getting them healthier, if they have something they want to win, um, you know, whatever it is, just making sure that I have the resources to help them get there. Like I'm always networking, looking, you know, talking to everyone from physical therapists and doctors to, you know, massage therapists or any, anyone, you know, even business networks. I mean, people have gotten jobs inside of my gym, you know, things like that, like just always be useful um, to, to, to the people that I'm serving. Um, and, you know, I don't think your impact has to, um, it doesn't have to hit like thousands of people to be considered impactful. Like I've always wanted to to just the, the direct people around me. So I think community is a perfect word for it. I just want to be as useful as I can to them. And, um, and that's always in turn, you know, very, it's given back to me and I, and I, 
you know, I'm very grateful for that. And, um, and then I would say, you know, splitting it on the other side in terms of like my, the professional community and people I'm associated with people like yourself, other trainers is just to show them that there is a path that if, if you are interested in personal training and it's, and not necessarily owning like a very large gym, that it's very possible. I mean, we've been, and I've been able to do it for, you know, going on almost eight or nine years now, like solo. And then before that, it's been over a decade of making a career of it. And um, it, it is very possible. Um, I, I kind of resented the fact that so many people, you know, kind of in the, you know, probably the 2013 to like 2018 period, there's like a five, six year period where everyone was like, get people doing semi-private only, don't do personal training, don't do this, you're just selling yourself short. And it's like, you know, COVID hit, and everyone was offering personal training because no one wanted to be on top of one another. And, you know, it's trend things change. So I just want to show people that it's possible. Like if this is something, if you feel a calling here, it is possible. You can hundred percent do it. I've done it and continue to do it. And, and I'm very happy doing it. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode so before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Sure. Um, you see, the most uh, easy way to get to me is go to desalvotraining.com. So D-I-S-A-L-V-O training.com. Um, that's kind of the, the nexus to everything, uh, the gym and me. You can find my contact information there. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at um, Mark DeSalvo, my name, M-A-R-K. Um, and then I'm also doing uh i'm doing a lot of writing these days so i have a Substack. so if you just search mark DeSalvo Substack on on google or go to the website you can um you can read that so it's kind of directed it's kind of a journal of everything that happens at the gym so if you're um if you're a trainer and you kind of want to hear about the people that are coming through or just my thoughts on this or that with training or even if you're not even if you're just uh somebody who likes to lift and work out and you kind of want to hear things from a the perspective of the the professional um i think you'd really enjoy it um so you can subscribe it'll go to your email whenever i write and add to it all righty mark well we appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and look forward to seeing what you are going to be able to accomplish down the road so everybody who tuned in today we appreciate you as well don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes hit the like and subscribe button and if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry Click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Gym Lords, out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free Leave Your Credit Card at Home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joseph, and joining me on the show is Matrix from Iron Performance Center in Ontario, Canada. Welcome to the show, Matrix. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm uh, excited to have you here on the podcast to learn more about your you know, gym business. But before we dive into the nitty gritty business side of things, 
When you first established this gym business, Matrix, what was the vision you had in mind for it for the long term? Um, when I started the business, essentially, um, I want to create superhumans like anybody who's you know into the sports realm and athletic realm. Um, after working as an independent contractor at different locations and having experience in the field, I saw a gap, at least in our region, um, you know, and, and felt uh, I could fill that gap with a better service, better product, and hopefully a more simplified service and product that, um, you know, could obviously lead to good results. And, um, you know, with my, you know, personality and, and, you know, thought process on culture and how we can create excellence, then that kind of just snowballed into what it is today. But Obviously, starting out, you never kind of see how big it could possibly get. And, um, but, you know, obviously it becomes a realization and then you grow from there. So, you know, sky's the limit for where my mindset is right now. Yeah, I like that mindset. You know, that's, it's good to have as a gym owner too, because there are, you know, seasons of slowness and quickness and it's good to have that. So for your personal experience, what has been the best part and the hardest part of being a gym owner so far? Obviously, the best part is going to be seeing, um, you know, a full facility with with both athletes and, and folks getting after it and, and kind of chasing goals in their own own respect. That has got to be the most fulfilling part. It's kind of why we get into this business in the first place. Um, you know, you, you want to provide a good product, but you know, it's it becomes more than that. And seeing a culture created, you know what I mean? It's like seeing a heartbeat and then just mm -hmm. letting it, you know, have its own pulse at a certain point. And that's got to be the most fulfilling part of this whole experience is going to be seeing new people come in, seeing that moment of realization where they actually buy into the culture, buy into the atmosphere and, and, you know, buy into the process and then how they contribute back into it. It's what makes this particular facility so special. And of course, on the other side of things, the hard part is, you know, aside from obviously, you know, special teams and athletics kind of not hitting the, you know, podium or something like that. Personally, as a gym owner, like, you know, the back end stuff kind of tiles up a little bit, you know, things that they don't really teach you in school things that they don't um there's only really a manual for you can read enough books you try and you can listen to people's problems but until those issues like you know taxes for example learning how to file that kind of stuff building websites all the like nitty-gritty stuff that sometimes gets left to the wayside all of a sudden you know you become a part of that and it kind of takes more time on your day where you'd rather be coaching or you know be on the floor with your people but i think mm -hmm. that's going to be the biggest challenge especially moving into a bigger location is going to be like you know the requirements of being the owner and uh, operator and you know small little tedious details at times can you know, definitely be a challenge, One which I was not prepared for in the beginning, but now I've become better at obviously as we expanded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, as you gain more experience, it doesn't become easier, but you become more familiar with the day-to-day -day challenges of being the gym owner. Um, so for the listeners understanding of, you know, who you are and what it is that you do, why don't you give them your elevator pitch? So what services do you offer and who do you serve? Sure. So our performance center, we are Niagara's best personal and performance training facility. Uh, we focus strictly on private training. So one-on-one -on -one, sign private training or small group and uh, team training, right? So we kind of run a unique model um, where we do one-on-ones, obviously, you know, coach to, to personnel and then semi-private. Uh, we essentially right now have block times in the day, both morning and evenings where, um, you know, any number of people can come in and be in the room training but the nice part is they're all on their own individualized program. So you mm -hmm. might have, for example, like a high school volleyball player in the room with a pro football player in the room with like an accountant or, you know, anybody. Right. So they're all kind of trained in the same room, but they're all doing their own thing. And we have our coaching staff, you know, monitoring the floor and helping people that need to be helped and assisting people that need to be assisted. Right. So I know that's one faucet of what we do. And of course our team training focusing on um, growing, developing local athletes right here in Niagara region, St. Catharines. 
um, both, you know, we're trying to expand on volleyball, for example, right now. And then um, also we work with our local college teams and uh, the professional teams here in Niagara as well. Okay. So mainly the one-on-one semi-private and the team training there. So that leads me to my next question here. How many people are you serving at your gym facility right now? Typically, like in, in these kind of months, we're typically servicing anywhere from like, you know, 50 or more. And then that doesn't even include our teams, right? So you're probably looking upwards of 100 or more on a monthly basis um, right now in the winter. And of course, when the summer you know, season hits in, we're having like our college te- uh, college kids come back for the summer and like our pro guys come back. So it just pretty much doubles from that point. Okay. So, so what, you know, times of the year do your teams come in more of during the winter, summer? What does that look like for you guys? Sure. So it depends on obviously which sport and which team we're working with. Uh-huh. Um, seasonal, of course, but you know, like our, our winter season, let's say like September through April, you're focusing on basketball, volleyball. Um, and then, uh, in the summer we have like our rowers, we have like our soccer teams and then our professional basketball players are coming in the summer. Cause that's the summer mm-hmm. league run. Um, and then we also have like our college kids come back that play a variety of sports that are just on summer break. Right. So mm-hmm. you have anywhere from like basketball players, you can have football players, you can have any number of them for different sports. So, um, you know, the highs are high and those are low. So like our highest seasons obviously run May through August. And then like we have a slower, um, slower season, like mid to end of August through to September. And then once school picks up again and people are kind of getting their roster solidified, usually around October through April is when we have like a steady increase once again. So it's like a little wave pattern, if you will. Okay. That makes more sense. So it really depends on the season. So seasonal. With the one-on-one and semi-private, is 50 members somewhere you want to stop at and maintain or eventually bring some more people in and increase that membership base so you can obviously increase the business? Yeah, no, 100%. We're looking to always welcome in new athletes and you know fitness enthusiasts and folks that just are passionate about getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, we're always looking to grow our staff to accommodate that as well. So that's a nice part. And we do have the square footage to, to handle that volume as well. Um, we're just very picky on, of course, who comes in. We have a very you know strict screening process because the reason we became so successful, in my opinion, is, is the culture that was created from years and years of, um, you know, having a high standard of expectation, right? We don't really allow, um, you know, willy-nilly or, or those that have like a poor attitude. We're always willing to learn and help and grow people. But like, if, if, if it's not a good fit in terms of like what we're trying to do, then we're just not a good fit, no harm, no foul. But we're trying to scale the right way and it has to line up with our values and the fact that we have a high standard of expectation. Doesn't mean you have to be like a pro athlete. Doesn't mean you have to be, you know, a strong man or, you know, bodybuilder mm-hmm. or anything of that nature. It just has to, it's more comes down to mindset and attitude because we're trying to keep the room positive and keep the room hungry for success, right? So mm-hmm. we are trying to scale that and, you know, we, we can talk more about how we're doing that, but you know, we're, we're very picky. And I think us being picky of who we have as clientele has led to the success we have and also, you know, sets the standard for those who are going to come in and grow. Hmm. So as long as the people buy into what it is that you're doing, you will bring them on. You don't want, you know, random people who don't want to buy into the culture and the approach. Yeah, it's, it's no different, right? Like if, you know, and, and we have those stereotypes, unfortunately, because, you know, people that are on the fence or wishy-washy, everyone just 
And again, there's, there's places for those people. I'm sure that may not be on the fence and maybe it's not a good time. That's, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. Right. It's like, we, we've had those conversations with people that are inquiring if they're on the fence, we have a series of questions where we're trying to screen them. Like, Hey, what's your availability? Like, you know, where do you see yourself three, four months? If you, you know, keep consistent with this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like what's your big, biggest hesitation, objection? Like we're trying to get a better insight of, of why they're doing this process. And sometimes like, you know, like my wife thinks I should be doing this. And, you know, I, I figure I could lose a couple things here and there. And you're just like, well, you know, is now the right time because it is an investment, obviously, like we don't want to waste their time or their money and their resources. We want to make sure that we're trying to give the best results and trying to give the best experience. Um, but, you know, and that's going to be harder for us as a staff if the person is kind of already on the fence, like one foot out the door, so to speak, like they're just doing it to satisfy something else. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's okay. Like that just means, Hey, we're, we're, we're about this over here. And this is what we try to do. And while we're willing to educate and, you know, if you keep an open mind, we can get you there. But if you kind of have your like, one foot out the door already and you're, you're kind of waiting for something to fail or waiting for the, you know, the, the smallest hesitation or objection to kind of get in the way, then this mm-hmm. might not be the best time for you to be doing this, maybe something else or something of a different nature that might be more enjoyable for the time being. But, you know, when that time happens, we're always welcome to reevaluate, but, Again, we have a culture of trying to uphold the people that are hungry to get after, or, you know, that are spending time and money to be here and get better and work with our coaching staff. And we have enough, you know, people that want to work and want to get, you know, coached up. We don't need to worry about folks that are kind of like wishy-washy that might kind of bring the energy down and bring that, you know, culture to a different level that we're trying to maintain, right? Mm-hmm. So since you already mentioned that you do want to increase that membership base, hypothetically speaking, how many people could you handle at your facility right now? Because you did say that the you know space is a little larger. So what's the size of it, you know, too? Yeah, our, our square footage right now is 6,500 square feet. And that's, we're moving from a 2,200 square foot facility. So pretty much almost tripled in size. And we've also built, uh, we pretty much built this from the ground up. We've built a facility that we're trying to make what we call the Mecca of Niagara Fitness and Athletics. Mm-hmm. So we've built a conference room or film room for athletes to do their homework in. Um, teams can have coaching meetings or film meetings or whatever like that. We've also built offices on the bottom floor so we can have physios, chiros, massage, whatever, take over the space and, you know, pretty much become like a one-stop shop for anything fitness and athletic, you know, so it makes it easier for um, our athletes and our clientele to get the resources, both proactive and reactive they need to, and mm-hmm. also have a place that they can, you know, lounge or do extra work or whatever they may need between before or after their, their training sessions. Right. So that was a big step for us there. And, you know, we have also triple D equipment and stuff like that as well. So, you know, yeah. we went from being able to handle like 30 people in, in a facility, probably like upwards of a hundred at one time, but we try to set limits as based on stations, obviously. Right. So um, we typically wouldn't in this facility probably break past, 50 right and of course we have the coaching staff on board then that won't be a problem but we do have a lot of space we just want to maintain it at a certain capacity just so we can have operational flow and that is one of the, you know, the key things of how we operate too is based on the systematic flow of the room yeah that is a large increase for square footage you know oh, going from the 25 to 6500 so you know what do you think is a max cap here in terms of, of membership base because that's a lot of space you got there to be honest, I, I, I really don't know. It's going to come down to, we've, we have a model in place right now and we're constantly tweaking it because we've been here now as, you know, a couple of months and we're still tweaking the model out, but our goal is to be able to run, you know, multiple teams at one time to a certain capacity. And then based on, you know, the number of athletes per team, we should be able to, depending on the schedule, be able to fit a team and also our semi-private clientele and also have coaches running one-on-ones in the same room. Mm-hmm. So it really is going to come down to scheduling, but you know, for the time being, I can't even give you an answer on that. Sky's a limit for in my respect. And, you know, once we kind of get that model a little more concrete, it, it should be 
you know, it should be better. Yeah. It seems like you're pretty growth minded, which I really like that. Like a lot of gym owners need to have that mindset because you just can't stop pushing. So I want to dive into the marketing side here. So what have you done so far to get your members in, in terms of marketing avenues and channels? Honestly, the biggest marketing we have are the people themselves. Like I said, we create a culture of excellence and referrals, obviously the number one thing and, and having our kids, you know, pretty much walk the walk wherever they are in life. And our coaches come in and seeing what we do. They, they're the ones that speak highly of us. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that also generate interest on our behalf. Right. Like I remember telling a kid, like, again, we, we had a great kid in here. And I remember saying like, okay, like, what can I do to like drop business? I literally went to this kid and said, Hey, Carson, you know, you're a hardworking guy. You're one of the fucking, you know, biggest badass in this room. I said, I want you to go to your team and I want like two more just like you. Right. Or I'll go to a kid and be like, Hey, I want your, I want you to talk to your coach because I want three more kids just like you. And they, and obviously we're very picky on who we ask too. Right. It goes back to what I said earlier. Like we, we want to create that culture, maintain that standard. So kids that are really excelling and really buying into the program and really seeing the results they've come to see, we want them to be our advocates. Right. So we'll tell them, Hey, you know, like we'll, we'll acknowledge them, man, you're doing a great job. We love seeing the work you're putting in. You're consistent, you're hardworking, you embody everything, what we're about. I want two more kids just like you go to your team, go to your school and really think about this. I want you to put, pick two kids that you think like would fit well with our culture. And I want you to put them in touch with me and we'll have that conversation. We'll screen them. It's almost like at some point we'll have kids coming in, interviewing, interviewing to come into our facility, which is extremely humbling. Mm-hmm. That's, again, that goes back to what I said multiple times already. We're trying to create a culture of excellence. And that's what it, in my mind it's going to take is being picky with who we have, being picky with who we ask referrals from. Right. And then uh, on the other note of that, we have some amazing one-on-one people, again, from different walks of life that train with us. And it's always awesome because they become like donors into our program, right? Like sponsors, if you will. And we try to make it a big deal. Like, hey, we know there's, you know, great kids out there that are working jobs and stuff like that. So if we can provide some financial relief to, to kids that may be interested in training, but maybe don't have the finances right up front or are interested, but like, you know, maybe are, are hesitating because it's a financial investment, we have donors that, you know, every couple of semesters will donate to the program and then these kids can apply for the training grant. Mm-hmm. And then once they apply, we can offer them like, hey, you can train with us for three months as much as you'd like, thanks to this awesome sponsor. And then that kid becomes exposed to the environment, loves the environment and we can get them great results and nothing else. And those kids rave about what we're doing and they, and they also bring like-minded people, right? So mm-hmm. that funnel alone is all word of mouth and, and a simple, you know, talking process. And of course, we'll always do like a little bit of social media, right? But and when we do talk about social media, we don't rely on it too heavily. What we try to do with social media really is we'll try to, we'll try to promote the success of our, of our clientele and the success of our athletes. I find a lot of trainers and gym people become so obsessed with like promoting their equipment, promoting themselves, promoting what they're doing. It's like, yeah, that's all well and good. And that there, there's definitely a place for that, but we've, we're big on highlighting the success of our people. Like it's about them. Like make it all yeah. about them, like highlight them and show them what they're doing. Because if, they, if you have any sort of following, you know, people want to see people that are like them, right. They might say, Hey, you know what I, that guy's doing and that guy, you know, he's not like a high end athlete or he's not professional. It's like, but he's, he's getting after it like that. He's doing what he's got to do. Like, they can relate to that, right? Similar stories like, hey, if I have like some high school kids and they're on the social media, for example, like they'll see their friends from school, like, oh, so-and-so is doing that. That's crazy. That's fucking awesome. Like, yeah, it's about them, right? I'm not saying you can't, you know, post some fun training tips and some educational videos and content. That's all well and good to an extent. But at the end of the day, we got to keep thing, the main thing, the main thing. And that's about, it's about the people you have. It's about the culture and the atmosphere you created. 
So highlight that. It's right in front of you, right? And then again, I'm, I'm rambling on again here, but referrals is the number one thing. So if you have some awesome people, just ask them, hey, you know, some, some time freed up my schedule. I'd love another person who's just like you. Because again, you want, if they fit the environment, you know, like-minded people attract like-minded people, then they should be able to know people that also might fit that culture. So mm -hmm. ask for them, right? The, if it's right there, don't be afraid to ask. Like they believe in you already. Just, you know, give them a lead. Yeah. And the best part about the word of mouth there is that it's free. You don't have to put marketing dollars into it. You don't have to pay for it. But the downfall about it is that it's hard to predict because some people may not, you know, be open to, you know, going to a gym or working out. So, I mean, it's kind of like one month, you may have five people come in one month and maybe 10, one month and maybe zero. So, you know, let's just say that does happen. I'm curious on the social media side, have you guys gone into any kind of paid advertising or have you completely stayed away from that? No, it's the only paid advertising we've done is through Google. And the reason we've done some, and again, we don't, we don't have a very high budget. Trust me, my SEO person pulls her hair out sometimes and, you know, busts my ass on this stuff, but it's, it's just not something I'm willing to spend a lot of money on where we can invest those hundred dollars into other resources. We, we prefer to, to use any dollars allocated. It's not much, but if I decide to allocate any dollars on marketing, it would be towards Google. The reason being is because people on Google are searching for an answer, whereas social media, they're scrolling for something cool. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if I want, we're trying to attract people that aren't just looking to kind of pass through. It's like, if they're searching for training, we're, we want to make it as easy to find us as possible. Like we should be the number one pick. And that comes from reviews and all that kind of stuff too. But people are searching for what they want on Google, which is hopefully us. Social media just might be like, oh, that's cool. And just keep on going. Now we have used some paid promotional stuff on Instagram, but it was not for, for training or any of that stuff. We, we sometimes just have awesome giveaways. Like, Hey, here's like some free swag pack. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and we'll add them to our mailing list if they put their name in. That's pretty much it. And then we have an opportunity through our newsletter to communicate with more people more frequently. But that's really the only paid advertising we've really done is like we've done most of it through Google ads, just kind of bump our stuff up there and do search, search engine. Um, and then if we did do it on social media, it was very minimal. It was mostly just for fun giveaways because we were bored. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, you know, the main goal here from what I understand is growth, right? Yep. So with word of mouth, sometimes not being predictable, what do you think you have to do moving forward to consistently get that inflow of new paying members? Sure. Well, I think it depends on the demographic you're trying to target. Um, for us, we, we know our bread and butter is high school athletes, college athletes, um, and fitness enthusiasts. So for high school athletes, you know, we, we try to maintain good relations with coaching staff of local club teams. We try to maintain good relations with teachers in the phys ed departments. Um, and of course, you know, parents as well, right. They're very supportive of their kids. You know, if not, if not even try to train perform, you know, you have a, you have your son or daughter that's learning leadership skills, learning some healthy, active living. You know what I mean? Like those are all positive qualities that they want to embody. So keep relationships within the community that way. We've never had a problem with, um, an influx of, of young hungry kids coming in to get after right? as, as some graduate and go off to college, we'll see them again in the summer and Christmas break. And there's always kids coming down the pipeline. They're like, Hey, you know, my, my friend trained here with you. Like I'm ready now. Like my son or, or parents might inquire, you know, my son or daughter is now 13 years old, 14 years old. They're ready to kind of get after it now. You know, we're, how do we get started? So to be honest, we never had really a problem with that. It's just seasonal, right? And like, you know, we know summer's a big influx because like, you know, we have more time off and stuff like that for a lot of parents. So they, they can have their kids doing stuff. And then once school gets started in the fall, that lull ends for us. And 
you know, that, that's not for us taking time off. We're always busy in the back end, creating content with that time. And then come October, once everyone's settled, we tend to see another influx again. So uh, I, I am a believer of word of mouth and just being present in the community, right? Mm -hmm. So to say it, it's sometimes slow down, yeah, but it's all relative, right? So, we'll, you know, let's say in our early years, you might have, I don't know, five inquiries in September, and that could be a slow that could be a slow time for us. But all of a sudden, mm -hmm. years later, you might have 15 inquiries and that's technically yeah. slow in relativity, right? But it's still an improvement um, year to year. So I don't know, to, to say, um, when you do those situations, we just, we, we stick the course of action, which you know would be successful, which is if we need referrals, we ask, you know what I mean? If we say, hey, you know, we have some time, we have some gaps in our schedule. Okay, well, who down there do we know that's gonna, that's gonna be a good advocate for what we do and, and fits the mantra? Let's talk to that person because that person's been killing it lately. They'd be a good fit. We, they'd probably know people that'd be a good fit for us. And then we'd also reach out to coaches and stuff and say, hey, do you know a couple of kids that you know need to be improved? Because we can help work with them, right? Or our general pop people, like, hey, do you know anybody at work that you know would like to join in with you and, and do something like you know, similar to what you're doing because you fit really well with what we're trying to get after? So, you know, we just ask those questions and then go from there. Okay. So going into 2023 here, Matrix, what is the main priority for you guys in terms of growth? Because there's three ways to grow a gym business. One, getting more members. Two, having each member spend more money with you. And three, retain them longer. Which one of those three things would be your main priority? I, I would like to see you grow more. If you had to pick one of the three, I, I'd like to see our, our volume increase because now we have the extra space. We can hold more at one time. So that should be more flexible. Um, but my big focus in 2023 is we're, we're trying to add more staff members, which is a positive thing. Obviously, that'd be a good fit. Um, so we're looking to add more staff so we can delegate more athletes and clientele to them. Um, and then from that point, I want to really solidify long-term partnerships. So A, we can get better results over a long period of time, which will take a lot of the a la carte guesswork out of things. So we have mm -hmm. also a program we can build on. Um, and that would also mean steady work in terms of an influx of teams and athletes that are always going to be presently available for at least a two-year commitment. So, mm -hmm. you know, if we can, that's my biggest goal, first and foremost, like, hey, grow the staff so we can accommodate and then solidify partnerships that last long-term. So we have a steady influx of teams throughout the seasons um, that give us an opportunity to build them from a younger age up through to the college level. Okay, so mainly maximizing the staffing side so you can eventually handle more people. Yep. Okay. So this is my last question here for you, Matrix. You know, sure. go back to your younger self when you first got into this gym business. Mm. What is that one piece of advice that you would tell yourself going into this thing? I can give your nuts, give your nuts a tug, buddy. We're going in for a wild ride. That's what I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, fuck me, man. Trust me. It's been, uh, it's been crazy. I don't know. One piece of advice is like, I, th I think I did a lot of things right. Like I read a ton of literature, like, you know, when, when, when you got, when your hand is forced, you learn a lot with a gun stereotype thing. So I didn't know anything about taxes. I read books on tax. I didn't know, know anything about how to build a website. I learned how to build a website, you know, cause I didn't have the money at the time doing that stuff. So I just learned how to do everything myself. And then once we had the resources, I could delegate those behind the scenes tasks out. But the nice part is I'm still, I still remembered how to do a lot of things. So at least I can have a, a reasonable conversation with the people I delegate to. So I'm not like a complete, you know, ignorant idiot. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, you know, if I had to give myself a piece of advice, like, look, it's going to be, it's going to be the things you never thought would be the big part, but those things require the attention just to keep the lights on to operate. So you can offer the environment that you're looking to, an op like to offer, right? Because I think a lot of people get caught up in the, the training hype, so to speak, where they want to open their own facility because, you know, they want to do it better and that's all fair and good. But I think 
they lose sight of the fact that it's not when like when you open a facility like this, it's not just training anymore. If you're the owner operator, it's not training. That's it's like, business. It's a business, right? Like it's, it's not, it's not about the X's and O's as much as you like it to be. It's, it's going to be more about the stuff that you need to do to maintain the culture. Like you, if you don't do your taxes on time, you don't pay these things a certain time. You don't, you know, you know, manage the, what the lights go out or what the heater breaks or what if, you know, the toilet stops working or what if, you know, the Wi-Fi gets cut out or, you know, what if, you know, your, your rack breaks or your plates are damaged. It's like, how are you going to maintain that environment you're looking to maintain without managing those, those smaller details, right? Or like, Hey, you have a website. People can't find you on Google. You have your phone's not working. Like little things like that, that might add up. You know, it's, it takes away from the actual fun stuff, which is training and getting people better. But like in order to maintain that environment, you have to be able to see the other side of things and keep the lights on. So, you know, it, it becomes a, a different animal. And I, I don't really know if there's a way you can prepare for that. I think it's more of just baptism by fire in my, my mind. Like I said, I, I don't have a business degree. I don't have any, you know, background in business. I just took a crapshoot and figured it out as I went. And then obviously, you know, I, I learned a lot. I read a lot of books and I talked to the right people and learned to network so I can get more information, ask better questions. And then you just do, you just take action, you do, and then you, you adapt. I don't know. That's the best thing I can relay. I don't know if it's really advice. It's more just like a warning. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm hearing here is get ready to go into a fire because you're going to have to learn a lot of stuff. Gonna have yeah. to be willing to experience the pain and the struggles of growing pains every single okay. day. Yep. It's, it's having hard conversations. It's making hard decisions. It's not always going to be fun and games, right? Like you're going to have to, you know, if you're talking about staff, for example, there might be days where you have to like, you know, have a hard conversation with somebody. There, there might be a time where someone comes to you with a problem. Like, oh, I can't afford training. We're like, how do you help them? Or like, how do you say no? Or how do you, you know, there's There's going to be those times you have to deal with that stuff. And it's things that you're not really prepared to do. And, you know, you might look at like, yeah, you had a great month, one month. You look at the books, like, oh, I spent too much money over here. Like, did I really knew that? All of a sudden, you're like, oh, shit, I'm under the gun. I have to make that revenue up. But it's like, you know, it's it's little things like that. You know, it's like, shit, you know, like, I never really learned how to do these things or that I didn't realize it would be like that much or, you know, the, the expense are this much or like, oh, shit, I forgot to include taxes. I forgot to include remittance. Like, oh, fuck, I didn't know any of that stuff. So it's mm -hmm. like, it really is baptism by fire. I guess the biggest piece of advice if I were to give any is like, make sure you have good outsourcing if you can't do it yourself you know what i mean like you're not an accountant get an accountant you're not a lawyer get a lawyer if you're not a website designer get a website designer you know what i mean like focus on what you do well learn as much as you can about those other areas that are obviously a big part of the operational side of things and delegate accordingly and prepare to invest in those things like think of it as an investment in saving your own time it's like hey I, I can't do you know i don't have time to do my books okay i'll invest this much money per month for bookkeeping that saves me like a couple hours a week or a couple hours a month which ultimately brings more money in because you're able exactly. to focus on more money making activities exactly right like hey i have a cleaning person that comes with their team to clean the facility like great that saves me staying out for a couple more hours which means i can go home and do something else or it buys back some of my time so it's you know, learn to network accordingly and, and be prepared to invest some hard earned dollars into delegating to the right people or outsourcing the right people to help buy back your time. Cause at the end of the day, that's going to be a big part of it as you grow forward is you're going to have to buy back your time. So you can focus on both operations, but also, you know, getting back to what you do best, which is probably coaching. That's some great advice. Thank you for sharing that matrix. But before we, you know, sign off the episode today for our listeners, where can they find you on your social medias and your website? Yeah, sure. So if you're looking at Iron Performance Center, you can go to ironperformance.ca because we're Canadian, obviously. We're awesome. Um, if you want to go to social media, we're typically mostly on Instagram. So if you're looking to follow 
our company, our performance center, it's literally at Iron Performance Center. Um, and then myself, I'm at Coach Tricks. So T-R-I-X-X. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. Um, so you can look at us up, you look us up there. And um, I think that's the best way. If you guys have questions, you can also just DM me or you know, you can send us an email through a company website and I'm, I'll find it. Awesome, Matrix. Thank you for sharing those uh, links there. And also, I want to thank you again for hopping on the podcast today and, you know, sharing your insights and learnings about being a gym owner because it is a hard road. Yeah, very fulfilling, I'd say, you know what I mean? Like, it, you're in it for the long haul. That's that's best I could say, you know, like it's you got it for one reason. If that's to if it truly was to make an impact and and, you know, see people kind of flourish and succeed, it's going to be a big sacrifice. It's not going to be it's not going to be about you anymore. It's, it's always going to be about them and the, the sacrifices and hard decisions you make just fall back on the fact that you're creating a culture, you're creating an environment for success. And sometimes you have to make those hard sacrifices, those hard decisions. If that's something you're passionate about doing, plain and simple. Success requires sacrifice. Something, yeah. That's how it be. Exactly. Well, awesome. And to everyone else who tuned in today, we appreciate you for hopping on and listening. And don't forget, if you want to be notified about our future episodes, hit the like and the subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your gym business, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Brooke. Joining me on the show is Chris from Old Time Strength in Mansfield, UK. Welcome to the show. How are you today, Chris? Yeah, not too bad. Excited to have you here. Thanks uh, for taking some time out of the busy day today of being a gym owner, being in the grind to show up and have this conversation with me. I really appreciate you. Before we kind of dive into the business element of what you do, give us a little bit of background. What led to you going and opening up this business? Okay, so um, I'm an army veteran um, and I got injured in 2012. So when I got discharged in 2014, I went to work in kind of commercial gyms. Um, I worked in a, uh, in a couple for about four years and I realized that it it wasn't for me because the gyms themselves weren't hitting the goals that I had in mind, um, which was mainly work with people that had been injured um, or had disabilities. So I, um, I put my own cash together. I opened my own gym and we operate as a not-for-profit. Okay. Gotcha. 
So this kind of led, like your background led to you going in and opening up your own gym. Now you do have Old Time Strength. That's the name of your facility. You're running the business as a nonprofit, but kind of give us your best elevator pitch of the fitness facility itself, who you guys are, what sort of services that you provide there. Just paint a picture for our listener. Okay. So we're, we're affiliated with the um, British Powerlifting Federation and Internationally, the International Powerlifting League is um, where most of our lifters lift. We've got lifters um, that competed in Germany recently at the World Powerlift, uh, the Powerlifting World Cup, um, where we came away with five gold and two silver from our gym, particularly. Um, we've got lifters that compete in power powerlifting um, and seated deadlift, and I'm certified to work with the Special Olympics, which is kind of uh, gaining more traction within the Midlands where we are um, at the moment. So we are heavily involved in strength training rather than anything else. Um, our membership is about 50-50 male-female, which is phenomenal for or any gym really, especially a, a kind of strength facility. Um, we don't do much in the, in the way of kind of traditional cardio. So like most gyms will have treadmills and, and cross trainers. We don't really, we, we don't really go for that because, um, because of like the levels of injuries and stuff like we have, we have kind of tailored cardio solutions for each individual that, we, that, that we do have come in. And because of the special Olympics kind of aspect, we've got a lot of members, um, with, uh, you know, autism, one of our coaches, for example, has got uh, cerebral palsy. And then we do attract a lot of veterans with PTSD, anxiety, and depression as well. Mm, okay. I love that. I think that that's definitely very much needed in the health and fitness industry. I feel like a lot of people really struggle to find their space because there's nothing that's like directly created for them. So I like what you're doing there. How long have you been open, by the way? Uh, we've been open since February 2018. Okay. So you've been doing this for a little while and you bared the crazy past couple of years that we have gone through as a world. So props to you there. Um, talk to us about the membership to the facility itself. Kind of, do you have different levels of membership? Are your members paying for memberships? How does that work in your business model? So we have adult and junior memberships. Um, our adult memberships start at 18. Um, and they just play a, uh, pay a flat monthly rate. And our junior memberships are from 11 to kind of 17, and they pay half what the adults pay. We do allow children younger than 11 to come in with the parents, and we do have equipment that the kind of the kids can get on with as well, as well as like a, a little area to the side where if they don't want to do anything, they can just stay out of the way. But we we encourage people of all ages to train. So our memberships kind of base between 13 and I think it's 65 is our oldest member at the moment. Um, where, because we're in a deprived area uh, within Mansfield where people can't afford a membership, um, if they approach us and we have the spare cash, we will actually front a membership for them for a month. And then they'll go back to the bottom of what we have, which is a rolling list. Or if we've got a younger member, maybe kind of late teens, um, and they're able to do like jobs around the gym, so like sweeping up, wiping machines down, and things like that, um, we'll actually do that in exchange for a, a junior membership. 
Okay. Gotcha. I, I like it. Uh, kind of a couple different, you know, mem- member options there. Now talk to me about like your, I guess the process in which somebody signs up for a membership. So like, I'm like, Hey, Chris, I like your gym. I'm interested in becoming a member. Do you just sign them up? Do you put them through a consultation? Do they get a free class? Kind of what does that look like? So um, we've only got one way to sign up, um, usually, which is through a membership services agency that we use, um, mainly so we don't touch any cash um, through, through the memberships, and it just makes it easier to account for. So if someone comes in, we give them a full induction of the gym. It being a powerlifting gym, we've got um, power bars, squat bars, deadlift bars, Olympic lifting bars, um, and it can be a little bit much for a new gym member. So we make sure that they know what's what, how to use the different equipment, um, because we do have a lot of things that people that have been to commercial gyms might not have seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, we'd kind of discuss um, memberships and things like that. We, we don't really do much in the way of classes at the moment. Um, we do hold what's called rock fit, which is a bit like Zumba, but with rock and metal. And we've got the only um, instructor in the East Midlands um, which performs out working out of our gym um, at the moment as well. But we are looking at introducing um, more classes for either elderly members um, or uh, young mums, because a lot of young mums find that, you know, it's difficult to get into the gym when you've got a, a kid with you. So because we are kind of family friendly, we're looking at running some kind of mother and toddler group um, where they can come in and do a kind of circuit with the kids. Gotcha. Um but they're all paid separately to the instructor. So whilst we just have a flat rate for open gym, we do have other options that kind of come across. So like if, for example, if someone wants a one-to-one session, with one of our coaches, that's not paid to the gym, that's paid to the, the coach. Kind of like a pay per class to the coach. as Yeah. You have them. Okay. Makes sense. Um, and I think with your business model, that's kind of like a good way to do it. Kind of like a pay per class thing being that, you know, you have, you try to make it affordable for people. They're not locked into, you know, a group class membership and have to come in X amount of times per week for them, for it to make sense for them financially. I like the pay per class. Um, so talk to me a little bit about the membership here. How many active members would you say that you have right now? So active members, we've got about 80 um, and on paper, we've got about 120. So our, our gym's not, um, it's not big in the sense of like a commercial gym. We've got about um, 4,000 square feet. Um, okay. But because we've got disabled members that come in, actually, we've got a lot of um, a lot of space, which is used for like access for wheelchairs and the like. Um, and because of the nature of kind of strength training, we've got all our kind of squat racks spaced out a little bit more so people can spot safely and, and make sure that um, the, the guys that do compete aren't doing anything, which could kind of put them in danger. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely get that. So, you know, with 80 paying and 120, you know, free memberships, is that a spot where like the gym feels like it feels like you're in a comfortable position or are you guys looking to kind of continue to increase that clientele? I know a lot of us dipped during COVID. Have you gotten to that spot where you're like above that yet? Um, so like the 80 active members are the, the, the regular members that turn up, but we've got 120 on paper. So including the 80. Um, 
but yeah, during the um, during lockdowns, we we gave everyone the option of carrying on carry on paying the membership as usual or freezing the membership. Um, and to be honest, we only had a couple of people that froze the membership um, because they were in kind of jobs where they couldn't work. But most of our members, um, they were actually really good and supported the gym all the way through. But during lockdown as well, we, we lent out as much equipment as we could to our regular members so they could still, you know, get something done during the lockdowns. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. What, like, how do people find out? How do people find out about you? Like, do you guys do any sort of like marketing or is it mostly word of mouth referral based? Like, because I do think that what you're doing is really neat. And the fact that you're working with people with disabilities um, and things like that, and you're making, you're creating affordable membership. So how do people know about that in, in your area? So we, um, we tried advertising in papers and leaflets and that kind of thing, but, um, it, it just wasn't cost effective because the return on it was was minimal. Um, I mean, I've been I've been coaching um, in and out of the army for 15 years now, um, and I'm also a national um, referee with one of the powerlifting federations. Well, two powerlifting federations actually. So it's more a case of uh, people come to find me because of what I do. Um, we're listed on a few different websites, so like. Uh, British weightlifting, we're listed as having two para benches. So if there's, um, there's anyone that wants to do kind of para bench press, they know that we're the only gym in the East Midlands that, that have the benches. Um, we're listed on the British powerlifting website as I'm the only level two coach around my area. So it, it tends to be people that know what they're kind of looking for find us. And then we've got affiliations with like our local special educational needs college. So people with um, autism and, and the like can come to find us for the Special Olympic stuff. Um, and outside of that, I, a lot of people just kind of see me coaching my guys when we're at, um, you know, different meets, be it a qualifier through to Europeans or Worlds. So um, that's how we kind of pick people up. Mm, yeah. Um, so a lot of what you're doing are people that are looking for a specific thing. They're going to find you. Um, they're looking yeah. for, you know, weight, a weightlifting community. They're going to find you. They're a part of the special needs community and they're going to be given resources to be able to find you. Um, do you guys do, have you like, do you utilize social media at all? Like at, to, to reach people in your community who might not be a part of those other communities? Yeah, so we do use social media. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a technophobe, but I prefer to do things face-to-face. -face. Um, so what we've done is we, on our website, if you if you log on to there, we've, um, we've attached a Facebook feed to that. So any update that goes onto our Facebook page goes automatically onto our website and people can kind of scroll through and see what we're doing. Um, but a lot of it comes from our members who all kind of tag themselves in the gym on Instagram or um, on Facebook. And that kind of, it builds an awareness to the people around them. And then because we are kind of results driven, um, they'll see what their friends and family are kind of achieving. And we, we do tend to find that we've got groups of friends or groups of family that, that kind of train in our facility. Yep. I, I think that that's very, very, very smart there. Now, Something that you mentioned was like, you kind of think of yourself as a techno technophobe. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, like in this industry, a lot of us are, 
because we are fitness people, generally we're not going to be the tech person. We're not going to be the person that knows everything about Facebook, about Instagram. But in 2022, post-pandemic, one of the best ways for us to grow our business and for more people to hear about us is using those platforms um, and making sure that we are active on those platforms. Do you see that that's something that you would ever have the desire to improve within your business? It's definitely something we've looked at. Um, because we're a not-for-profit, we, we've got um, a number of trustees. So um, from the off, I've always been the managing director and you know um, head trustee kind of thing. And it's just, it's a role that people tend to avoid um so we have looked at kind of farming it out and paying someone to do it for us but um in the uk that kind of thing costs quite a lot and because we're a not-for-profit it's um it's not always feasible so it mm -hmm. is something we're looking at and um i am constantly kind of trying to learn about a little bit but it's uh, it's definitely my weakest point i'd say Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's common, right? I hear that almost every day from gym owners. Like that is going to be a weakness. If we're spending our time training clients and running a gym, generally we're not going to be Facebook people, but there's a lot of really cool resources out there that can kind of show you what to do, how to do it, help you create a plan so that you can be a little bit more of an expert in that area. Um, so next question I have for you, I like to ask this question on the podcast because I think that it's relatable for us to talk about not only the good things, but the challenges. So for you, you know, in this business, as things currently stand, what's your biggest bottleneck or challenge? And like, what are you going to do to overcome that? Um, for us, it's probably the fact that we can get on the cut by big commercial gyms so readily. So mm -hmm. Mansfield's a bit of a, a, a strange place. We've got more gyms per square mile than most of the towns um, our size. And the obviously the commercial gyms can charge uh, basically what they want. You know, they, they can charge £10 for a membership, whereas I've got to charge 30 to cover the overheads and all that kind of stuff. But um, for us, what it's about is providing the best possible service and proving that we can do more than these commercial gyms are doing. Um, within the UK, a lot of the, the the best coaches and personal trainers aren't in commercial gyms because we've got a bit of experience and we've decided that's not where we want to be and it's not how we can do our best as coaches. So um, we tend to find that the independent gyms, however they may be run, be it not-for-profit or not, um that's where the best coaches are um a lot of the time the commercial gyms what they're doing is they're farming people straight from college um so like college in the uk is 16 to 18 not university level 18 plus okay. um, as soon as they hit 18 they've they've finished their personal training course i mean we've got people doing six-week personal training courses in the uk um and you know yourself you, you're not going to learn anything after six weeks you've right. got very little experience these, these um, these guys are still really young and I always encourage them to do some kind of further education. So, I mean, I, I did three years at university. Um, I'm working on a master's at the moment. Um, and all they're doing is just pumping these personal trainers through. Whereas the guys that I have, we've all got some kind of further education. We've got experience either as athletes, as soldiers, or as 
uh, coaches already. So for, for us, it's mainly just, you know, show people that we've got more ability to help them than these commercial gyms that are charging very little cash. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's, that's really hard. And that's something that even, you know, over here in the States, a lot of the gym owners are dealing with the same kind of thing right now. Um, what, like, what are your thoughts on how you feel you could overcome that? Um, so like when I take on volunteers, I, um, I tend to take on people that I work with, um, like in a coach athlete kind of facility. So our volunteers basically are the people that have got first aid qualifications. Um, they just keep the gym open um, when I can't be there. So at least when people come in, they've got someone that's experienced behind the counter. Um, they know what they're doing. If someone needs spotting or needs some help with equipment, I've got someone in there that I, I know can help out properly. Um, whereas a lot of the gyms, um, especially within the UK, the the level of help is just not there and and for us it's about letting people know that if you come into this gym there is someone there that can help 100 percent of the time so if someone's on a program and they're not sure about something we can guarantee that they can get on with their program and do what they need to do and know what they need to do rather than just kind of feel left to their own devices um but I mean, at the same time, we we kind of advertise that we have quiet spaces within the gym. So we've got more squat racks in our gym than any other gym um, within Mansfield and probably more than any commercial gym kind of within England at the moment. But some of them have been placed in a kind of out-of-the-way area. So if, if I've got someone with social anxiety, for example, they can come in and they can go and train on their own out of the way. So we don't have mirrors in our gym. Um, so then if I've got someone with body dysmorphia, they don't have to worry about, you know, staring at themselves in the mirror and things like that. And this is the kind of thing that we put in place to kind of get around the fact that we get undercut in different places. So we actually put more thought into how our gym's constructed. Um, and then we'll attract, because I mean, there's a lot of people with mental health issues that they don't think they can train in a gym until they kind of find out about us and then they'll come in and realize that there's a lot of things in place or not in place as the case may be um that would attract them and kind of give them the the need to train definitely i love how inclusive you are like the, everything that you're telling me is just like you can tell that inclusivity in your facility is really important and that's the type of thing that goes like a long way. I would love this gym um, because like I, I don't, I, I specifically will not join a fitness facility unless it's inclusive, like for people like of all types. So I love it. Um, now we've talked a little bit about that challenge. I want to kind of flip it here and talk about like dreams, goals. So like I hand you a magic wand. I'm like, okay, Chris, all your dreams, all your goals for your business, they came true. What would that picture look like for you? Um, basically, I just want to pack the gym with more equipment. Um, so because of the, the, the nature of our gym, um, the more equipment we have, the more people essentially we can train successfully. Um, we are really lucky at the moment in that um, because of like timings and stuff like that, no one's ever had to kind of share equipment over the last four years, which is great. Uh, but because we are attracting more and more people i mean this this last month we picked up um kind of between five and ten new members i can't remember 
I'll, I'll, someone else does that kind of number stuff for me. Um, and that's because they saw the results of what we did at kind of World Powerlifting Cup. Um, and then moving forward, because I'm doing the Special Olympic stuff, I need more mobile equipment. Um, so like combi racks, you know, the squat racks that turn into bench presses and that kind of thing. Well, that's what we use for powerlifting. So I want to be able to visit schools and start to introduce powerlifting into schools because within the Midlands, anyway, there, there's no powerlifting. Um, there's one school that does weightlifting, but that's it. And kids aren't getting the opportunity to, you know, try something different because a, a lot of kids, if they're overweight, perhaps don't want to take part in team sports. But actually powerlifting is an individual sport in a team environment. So everyone's really supportive and they might find that actually powerlifting's for them. They don't have to do all three lifts. They can do one or two of the lifts individually. Um, and that's kind of where we want to be. We want to expand to the point where the gym is running well, but we can then get out into the community more. Yeah. Yeah. That would be huge. Um, I really think that this is like, very much needed like I don't really know of any over here anyway in the area that I'm in any like health and wellness nonprofits. um and so I think what you're doing is really really exciting for your community and definitely something that I'm sure that everybody is very thankful for um can you share your your website or your or your Instagram even though I know you probably don't have much on there um for our listeners to be able to find and follow you yeah, so our website's www.oldtimestrength, that's O-L-D-T-Y-M-E, strength.com. And on there, it's got links to our Facebook, our Instagram, and all the other social media. Awesome. I'm excited to check it out. Thank you, Chris, for being here today, for sharing your insight on the fitness industry, what you're doing. And listeners, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, if you want to stay notified about future episodes, hit like, hit subscribe. And if you want to join us for an episode here at the Gym Lords podcast, fill out the link in the description. Our team will be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Gym Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.